Hey everybody, this is Alex. This podcast is part of Batman Universe Podcast Network. Be sure to head on over to BatmanUniverse.net to help support the TVU server cost drive. Hey, I think we had no typos in the show notes for this episode, Dane. <laughs> uh, and, and did you actually go through it, or did you just... The, after the debacle of last our last episode's intro, I made sure to <laughs> correct those mistakes <laughs> and make sure they were right. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, you did a good job, Tim. Did a really I did a really good job knowing how to spell simple words this time. Yeah. <laughs> Coast drive or yep, hep, hep, yeah. <laughs> ESO, yes. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is Alex. Um, this is episode number one hundred and twelve, uh, and I got t- Tim with me. I am here. Where else will I be on a Saturday afternoon than talking with you, Dean, about outside? Matt? outside somewhere eh, probably not <laughs> i'd still be in the same spot just not talking to you <laughs> oh yeah, i see oh uh, well anyway uh did you want to do our minute by minute commentary too how can i not want to do it i mean we're past the hour mark now we're a good two minutes yeah. into an hour yeah i know i i can't i still can't believe we made it this far tim <sighs> i know we didn't quit after five minutes yeah i mean w- we made it past that scene, and I, I think the hardest part of this whole thing so far has been that scene in uh, Wayne, Wayne Manor. Mm-hmm. With uh, John Blake? Yeah, with Blake. Yeah, that was the longest. I also yeah. think, too, once we get to the final action sequence of the movie, it's going to you know, be one that's not going to be all action and exciting to go through, <laughs> not where it's going to yeah. drag or not. Or just wait till we get to the scenes with, uh, with Bruce in the, in the prison. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be in that prison for a long time, Tim. Yes, we will. <laughs> at least, at least three or four months, I think. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> because you know the scenes are broken up with other scenes in the movie, of course. So it's not like we're gonna have just one big scene in the prison and that's it. It's gonna be right. one, then we get right. back to Scotland, back to the prison, and all that stuff. Right. But anyway, uh, we're on minute sixty-two. Uh, we're going to minute sixty-three. So get your. HD DVD, get your VHS tape, get your beta tape, get your um, laser disc. Laser disc. I always forget that. I'm always here to remind you about laser disc. Yeah, yeah. Even though I never had a laser disc player or owned any laser disc movie. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Thankfully. Yes. Um, <laughs> so they did put Star Wars on laser disc. <laughs> so, so that's the one version that they released that you don't have. That is correct, yep. I wonder how much those go on eBay. I was just thinking the same thing. I should probably look it up and see how much those are going for. Just get them. Don't yeah. even get a laser display or just have the big like <laughs> record-style <Yes. laughs> <Yeah>. covers. <laughs> oh, so, so, so they released all three movies then. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it was during the time when they re- released the THX versions in like 1995, where they oh. said it was the last time you'll be able to own the original Star Wars trilogy. And they weren't joking because that was the last time they put out the ones that aren't the special editions. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, we're going from minute 62 to 63. So just get your dead media ready and just cue it to the 62nd minute. And uh, I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? I am set. All right. Three, two, one. Hit play. Will Talia take Bruce's offer? That's the question in this scene. <laughs> We've been in this scene for a while now. I think this is our third episode here. Yeah. I think we're going to make it through. 
Let's see. Yeah, trust Talia. <laughs> he doesn't know it's her yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now we're out of the scene. Oh, the man. We made it out. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bruce gets kicked out of his own board meeting from his own company. Is this the same boardroom as in uh, The Dark Knight? Yeah, I believe so, but it's not the same one from Batman Begins, that's for sure. Oh. So we got Daggett telling Bruce or kicking Bruce out. There's a lot of room in this <laughs> in this meeting room. Boardroom. And that's it. Oh, no. Ended on a shot of Ben Mendelsohn with an awkward face. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to see him in Rogue One. As a, I didn't know he was Australian. Yeah, uh, I seen him. He was on Jimmy Kimmel like a week or two ago. Yeah, we really got to hear his accent on there. <laughs> but he was <laughs> asking about Rogue One. All he kept saying was like, Mm-mm. "Yeah, who is he? <laughs> He's just a guy standing in a room with a cape on." Director Orson Krennic is his official name. Oh. Oh, so he's another um, another bad guy. Definitely. And I don't know if you read the whole Entertainment Weekly article from last week no. about Rogue One. He was saying he's someone who's trying to get in the good graces of the Emperor, but Vader is looming over him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, they describe him somewhat as someone who's going to be a, not necessarily a rival to Darth Vader, but he wants to take Vader down so he can get you know higher up in the ranks of the Imperials, so that's not a very <laughs> okay. smart idea. <laughs> yes, I was about to say, okay, so we know the end of this movie then. <laughs> we know the outcome of his character. Yep. <laughs> Somehow I think he's, well, we know he's going to fail at stopping the Rebels from stealing the Death Star t- plans, and yeah. Vader might punish him for that. <laughs> I'm almost more excited about that movie than I am for Episode Eight. Really? Wow. It just looks so much, it doesn't even look like a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. You know, with the trailer and all the images I've been seeing, it doesn't even look like a Star Wars movie to me. Yeah, I think it, it just has enough Star Wars in there, but at the same time, I know what you mean, where it's looking like something totally different than what we've seen before, which is great, and which is what these standalone movies are supposed to be. So, Yeah, something completely different that's not tied you know, specifically to the new trilogy or whatever, right? Yep. Man, I cannot wait to see those Death Troopers in action. <laughs> Their armor just looks oh, so Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> those, those, those guys look really cool. Yeah. And I think they're, fine. they're not going to be Stormtroopers that get wiped out easily. I think they're going to do some damage against the Rebels, and they're going to be a match for them. Really? I think so, yes. Hopefully no. I, <laughs> they won't disappoint me, but from the stuff, I'm, the images I'm seeing, it looks like uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. They're described as uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character, Krennic's, like they're his special forces. So they like, oh, so probably like, brings them out for emergency situations. Yeah, but are, are they specifically going to just be going after the rebels? Uh, yeah, at least that group who's trying to steal the Death Star plans, I imagine. Mm. Well, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I know I should be more excited for uh, Episode 8, but... No, I don't think it's, you should, it's where you should be more excited. For me, it's just... I'm just as excited for a new Star yeah. Wars movie coming out this year as I was last year and what I'm going to be next year for episode eight. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe it's because it's the first Star Wars anthology mm-hmm. movie. And I just really want to see where, you know, how they're going to keep it Star Wars, but 
sort of have a have a different feel to it. I don't know if that's going to work. Kathleen Kennedy's already like saying, we don't know if we're even going to open the movie with a crawl like all the other ones are. We're still trying to figure that out. You have to do that. You have to do that. See, I don't know if if they have to. It's one of those things where they can do something different, but at the same time, too, the opening crawl is a Star Wars standard, and this is still a Star Wars movie, so they can't have it. So I'll be curious to see which way they go. Yeah. Or or maybe if they do the Clone War thing, the Clone Wars thing, where they, it's just a quote. Yeah, yeah, like a narrator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be cool, too. Or, or what if they did the crawl at the end of the movie to bridge the gap between the first and the second? <laughs> That'd be really different. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they'll do that, though. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, speaking of movies, and big movies at that, um... Why don't you tell the good people at home about our future topic, Tim? Yes, I will. And I've been dying to talk oh, about oh, this. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Before we get into that, I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> whoever they got to play Mon Mothma, and I know she was in Revenge of the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. She she looks exactly like the, the actress from uh, Return of the Jedi. Yep. <laughs> that was awesome casting, <laughs> really. I mean, What's her name? Um... Darn it. I had it. No. I lost it. I don't have to look uh-huh. it up. <laughs> it is Genevieve O'Reilly. Genevieve O'Reilly. Yes. Man, that's like her mom in uh, Return of the Jedi. I know. It's like you look at side by side comparisons, it looks almost identical. And of course, this aged a little bit from that time period to Return of the Jedi, but. Yeah totally believe it's the same character <laughs> i'm just glad they were they were smart enough to like, use that same actress from *Revenge of the Sith*, even though her scenes were cut yeah and and i'm wondering like it, it, it is is mon mothma actually gonna have a speaking role in this or is she gonna like <laughs> well be a background figure no first off you did hear her in the trailer so she definitely has some lines but, yeah yeah but 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 I'm I'm just worried that she's gonna that that part is gonna get cut out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's just gonna be standing there. Kathleen Kennedy did say in that Entertainment Weekly article that she does have a significant and larger role in Rogue One than much more than Return of the Jedi. So, oh, good. Yeah, good, good. Because I mean, you can't get an actress like that who looks exactly like the old Mon Mothma and not use her at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it's just good that Mon Mothma finally have a bigger role in a Star Wars movie because she's such an important character in the history of Star Wars. Especially in the Clone Wars. And uh, just like not even that, that too, the Rebellion, and then also reading some of the new books is how important she was in setting up the New Republic and some of the decisions she made that affected (laughs) the New Republic and what happens in The Force Awakens as far as like, she was the first Chancellor once the New Republic got started, and one of her first decisions was to, you know, demilitarize the Republic to, like, cut 90% of their military to kind of prevent, you know, more wars and uh, conflicts happening. But that kind of turned out to bite them <laughs> later on in The Force Awakens when the First Order rises. They don't have a big, strong army, and they pretty much wipe them out. So that's all that's left is the Resistance. So stuff like that, where she just... Uh, character has like major implications to what happens in star wars and now to finally see her more in an actual movie i think it's going to be cool yeah definitely so and 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 you know what i just realized what's that (laughs) and it took me this long to uh realize this so over a year 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we we have two female main characters in you know the the, yeah. the trilogy and now in this uh, anthology movie. Yeah, which is cool. They decided to go that way again. Yeah, just being Star Wars, but at the same time moving forward and doing something different, not just for the Force Awakens, but for the standalone one too, which is cool. It's so great how they did. Um, they they did it in uh, Episode Seven or Ray. You, you you think Ray's gonna be the background character while? Um, oh my God, what's his name? Finn. Yeah, Finn is gonna be the, <laughs> the 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 Luke type character, and it turns out to be the other way around. Yeah, especially with all the marketing they did for it with Finn yeah. and the lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. And I can't tell you how like the biggest applause when I first saw the Force Awakens when she pulled the lightsaber out and ignited it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yes. <laughs> uh, let's talk about our future topic. Yes, then. now I can get into it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to be kind of our reactions to the Justice League set visit reports that happened about two weeks ago now. Pretty much the few days after we recorded our last episode. So <laughs> once all this stuff came out, I read it. I've been dying to talk about it ever since. So now we're finally going to be able to dive into it and give our reactions for what's up ahead with Justice League. Another big movie with episode eight next year. I mean, how cool is that? Justice League in November, episode eight in December. <laughs> it's going to be two awesome months. But uh, so yeah. Warner Brothers had a set visit where they invited <laughs> kind of a lot of outlets out there that didn't like Batman v Superman. So it was kind of another way for them to do a little bit of damage control and kind of show them what they're working on next is going to be different than Batman v Superman. And from a lot of the stuff I've read, it looks like they did a good job of that. People I know that hated Batman v Superman walked away excited for Justice League, more optimistic about it. So in the end, it's good that they did this because it was kind of unprecedented where not because they did a set visit because that happens all the time where they invite media there but they're usually embargoed for it for like a year or so maybe like a month or two months before the movie actually comes out so the fact that they needed to get good word out on justice league is really apparent when they lifted the embargo on the set visit in like a weekend because i think it happened on tuesday the weekend after everyone visited the justice league set so you know they really (laughs) From the get-go, they're really trying to get the word out that Justice League is going to be different from Batman v Superman for those that didn't like it. So I'm glad that they did that, and looks like it had a positive effect for most of all the media members who were there because, like I said, a lot of them walked away feeling pretty positive about it. And with that, we got to learn some more information about the movie, which was cool. So we're kind of going to break down some of the stuff that um, was mentioned in the new reveals we got from the set visit. So... I'm taking this from comicbookmovie.com that had a nice like bullet point breakdown of some of the big stuff that was revealed. So I'm going to go through that first and we'll kind of give our reactions to what has us most excited. So first off, um, Justice League is now really a standalone movie just titled Justice League. And it's that it's going to have a lighter tone and it's a fun ensemble focusing on the team coming together to take a common threat. Because you know when they first announced Justice League Part 1 and Part 2, it's now, there, there, of course it's going to be a sequel to Justice League, but for the first one, it's going to be its own self-contained story where it's not going to end on a cliffhanger or anything like that, which I think is good. It says the movie will be heavily influenced by Jack Kirby and revolves around the quest for three mother boxes, one on Earth, one in Atlantis, and one in Themyscira. Justice League takes place months after the events of Batman v Superman. A big chunk of the movie will focus on Batman assembling the team, with Superman sporting some longer hair <laughs> set to return a little later, a little later on. Steppenwolf has yet to be cast and will be one of the main villains. Darkseid's influence will be felt, 
the parademons will appear, and Lex Luthor may have some sort of role. Batman will upgrade his suit, and we'll see a new version of his armored suit towards the end of the movie. Bruce Wayne builds a jet called the Flying Fox for the team to use, and he'll also have a new vehicle called the Nightcrawler, designed by his father. William Defoe, we finally know who he's playing. He's going to be playing an Atlantean called Volko. He's a mentor to Aquaman, and he's kind of had a major role in the New 52 story for Aquaman early on. And Mera is a warrior and a sorceress and her costume, which will have chainmail, which blends in with her skin. J.K. Simmons will have the classic Commissioner Gordon look. The Flash and his initial costume will be pieced together by spacesuits and held together by wire. However, Batman later creates a much more streamlined suit for him to wear. Cyborg's costume will be 100% CGI. And the most important thing, Junkie XL is scoring the movie. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good thing for those or bad thing for those who like the soundtrack or not Batman v Superman because I know that was a mixed reaction. But yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of cool stuff I think from this. And just for me personally, the thing that has me really excited was the part where it says we're going to be seeing you know Atlantis, the Mascara, and Earth receiving the mother boxes. And the reports said that the movie is going to start off was kind of like a Lord of the Rings opening prologue where we see uh, those three like civilizations receive their mother box. It says we'll see you know Hippolyta from the Mascara receiving hers. We'll get to see Zeus, uh, which should be cool. We'll see an Atlantean king. So I kind of like we're going to get a history lesson of you know not the whole DC universe, but at least a big part of it on Earth from the, those different civilizations and races that are there, which I think is going to be really cool and kind of be a nice setup. And I just like the overall plot of the mother boxes, you know, being the MacGuffin for the movie of Justice League. So, because we know that's a big part of Dark Side and with Cyborg, too. And we know that Cyborg's going to be a main member of the team. And as we'll get into later, someone who's maybe not fully on board. But I'm just glad that the mother boxes are playing such a key role in the story because, you know, we know where all that's going to lead to <laughs> with Dark Side. So, uh, that's got me real excited. And there's other things that I'll mention, but. Dane, out of all of this bullet point info stuff, was there anything that got you uh, excited the most? Uh, probably everything to do with Batman. The, the Flying Fox, mm-hmm. the Nightcrawler, uh, and his new suit. Um, and, and probably definite, definitely uh, Mera and uh, the Themyscira Fem- uh, scenes. Yeah, I'm curious. I know we're going to see a lot of Atlantis, but I wonder how much of the Themyscira we're going to see. If it's just going to be in that opening prologue like I'm talking about or if yeah. it's going to have a significant role like Atlantis does but I'm glad you mentioned those Batman vehicles because those are <laughs> other things that got me pretty excited in particularly the Flying Fox um, I like first of all it's a cool name and I've heard people speculate too if that's in reference to Lucius Fox is that like a design he made for uh, Bruce early on or something but it's a you know pretty much the Justice League's travel plane where they're going to be flying around in but the cool part is it also houses the batmobile inside it so <laughs> bruce needs to make an exit in the batmobile he can just uh, launch out of that which probably visually should look really cool and then the nightcrawler um people have to leave saw the who were there on the set visit saw concept art and i think even the set where the action piece is going to set take place with the nightcrawler because i believe they have to go on batman has to go underground for like a nesting place for the parademons and he uses that nightcrawler to fight him off and it's described as like a batmobile with spider legs on it it sounds <laughs> weird but cool so uh, we're gonna get more than just you know the batmobile we saw in batman v superman and i can't wait to see batman's new vehicles on this it should be pretty cool i'm just wondering why he would need something like that i mean if if uh what 
these people who went to the set are saying is true with with the legs and stuff. Mm-hmm. What would he need that for? I guess to travel the terrain, especially if it's meant for underground, it's probably to travel on the walls on the like on the ceilings of or the roof of the wherever oh, he needs yeah. to be. So to kind of give him a more range. Right. And I imagine it's gonna have good firepower too to yeah. <laughs> be taking out parademons. So <laughs> I just wonder how long if any of the flying fox or the nightcrawler, how long they're gonna hold off on showing you know the general audience if they're showing this stuff to the media members. I'm hoping that whenever they put out a trailer for this, we'll yeah. get like glimpses of. Uh, both of those vehicles in a shot or two because I'm re- really curious to see what they look like because they sound pretty cool. Well, we got the 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 new Batmobile kind of fast, right? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So, you might see another black and white photo of the Flying Fox and the Nightcrawler. I don't know if you noticed this too, but pretty much every site and outlet that got to go to the set visit, they got to take a picture with the Batmobile on the new... It's a little modified that yeah. on the set of Justice League because everyone used that as like their header picture <laughs> for their <laughs> article and people were noticing too that they didn't notice like the gun tourists that are on there or if they were they didn't they looked a little different like not necessarily machine guns so yeah. that got me hoping well because we know this is going to be a different Batman than what we saw in BVS and Ben Affleck's even said that where like not going to be killing or being such aggressive as he was in that movie so maybe they finally he finally switched to rubber bullets in this <laughs> In Justice League, which I think would be pretty cool. Yeah, so that's cool stuff. It got me excited. But uh, oh yeah, another thing uh, I actually wanted to mention this first, but I skipped through it. But it was uh, the logo for the movie got revealed too. And you might just say it's something you know simple, nothing really to get excited about. But I really like it. It's definitely has a comic book feel that I, I don't think a logo that Man of Steel or Batman v Superman had. It looks like. First off, it says Justice League, obviously, and it has that star in between the I and the C of Justice, which you see on Justice League logos for the comic. And it just has a great, you know, vibrant vibe to it where it goes, for me anyway, I think it's a kind of a nice compliment to the new DC logo that got revealed for DC Comics. And it just, I think, brings home that point of this is going to be a different tone of movie, a different type of movie, not as dark than Batman v Superman or even Man of Steel to some extent. So I know that was a big complaint that a lot of people had about it, especially when you're bringing all these DC superheroes into it who are not as dark as Batman. You don't want to have that dark tone. And I think this logo reflects that a little bit. So it might not be a big thing to some, but for me, I thought it was uh, kind of a big deal as far as it separating itself and being different than what we've seen before in the other two movies. I really like it. Yeah, but you see my... My problem with BVS wasn't sto- the the tone; it was the story. Sure, um, I, I, get I that. sorry about the siren, but uh, it's th- that's how Batman should be. He sh- he should be this aggressive, dark character. He shouldn't be this lighthearted guy, like uh, you know Adam West mm-hmm. or whatever. Exactly. He shouldn't be that. He should be like he was in BVS, um, and. To me, that was the best part of that movie, that how Ben Affleck portrayed that Batman, how Batman was written in that movie. So, I don't know. This kind of has me worried, but I don't know. I, I, I just have to forget about it. Yeah, I think Batman, I mean, like I said, he's not going to be as extreme as he was in VVS, but he's still going to be that dark character. But And I don't think Justice League should reflect, you know, it should be a darker movie like a solo Batman movie would. So, and I think that's, in a small ways reflected in that uh, 
new logo it has for it. So I mean, I get where you're coming from, and I know that wasn't your biggest problem with Batman v Superman, but for a lot of people, <laughs> I know it was, and yeah. for me, that wasn't one of them either. So, but I just like how that logo looks, and it's more different than what we've seen in the other two movies. So I liked it. But the best parts of these set visit reports was that they got to see one scene filmed and an actual clip from the movie. And these sound really cool. I mean, this is what really got me excited for what's to come in justice league. I mean, just hearing the descriptions of these characters all like filming a scene together, minus Superman, of course, he was the only one there because he's dead. (laughs) But uh, the first one that got reported on where they actually saw a film or a scene being filmed was where Batman, Flash, and Wonder Woman are meeting Gordon on a rooftop. And this was actually J.K. Simmons' first day on set, so everyone got to see him for the first time. And they said he looks awesome as Gordon. He has you know, a hat on, he has a bushy mustache, gray hair, trench coat. They say he looks like classic Gordon. I even heard some people say he's straight out from the animated series look. So I can't wait to see his portrayal on Gordon now with the descriptions everyone's saying. So uh, it starts off where... Gordon is asking you know, how many of them are referring to Batman in the Justice League, and Batman just tells them, you know, not enough. And he tells Batman that there's been abductions last night of several, like, uh, scientists being abducted. There was one in Metropolis, and of course, they're being abducted by parademons that Batman reveals, or <laughs> he says to Gordon, the bad guy's flying monkeys. Yes, Batman is making <laughs> a wise crap and a quip here to Gordon, which is cool. And uh, so, once they're there talking to Gordon, Cyborg actually shows up. And Wonder Woman, everyone says when he does show up, Wonder Woman gives him kind of like a smile that she's happy to be there. So there's been a lot of speculation where we know Batman's recruiting, you know, going to be Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg. So it looks like Cyborg might have been reluctant. And something might have triggered where, okay, I have to team up with these guys. And according to Cyborg, Looks like that reason is going to be because uh, his father was the latest scientist to be abducted from Star Lab. So that's nine total missing scientists. And so there was good, everyone's saying there was good interaction between all the cast there. And there was good, co- co- uh, I can't even say it. Uh, I'll say good camaraderie. Chemistry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> can't talk, can't spell, I can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, everyone says one of the best moments of this scene was. Uh, once everyone's about to clear out, Gordon turns away and, you know, the classic thing where Batman leaves without Gordon know it, knowing it. So as Gordon's talking about uh, the city, I believe, and giving his speech, he turns around expecting nobody to be there. And there's not except for Flash. <laughs> and Gordon's all like, what? You're still here? And Flash is all like, yeah, they all left. That's kind of rude. <laughs> so everyone is saying Flash is stealing or could have the potential to steal this movie as being like, a great character, a funny character. Um, I don't want to say comic relief because I always tr- almost associated that with like slapstick humor, kind of like the Jar Jar type thing. <laughs> we know Flash isn't going to be like that, but someone is going to bring, you know, the more humor and uh, jokes to it, which the Justice League needs and Flash is that character. So I'm glad that they're nailing that down. So this scene got me pretty excited. Everyone said it was just so cool seeing the members of the Justice League there, except for Superman and Aquaman, but to seeing them all together looked really cool. So, yeah, I can't wait to see this scene. If it's going to be any, any indication for the rest of the movie, yeah, I'm excited for it. I don't know. Does this scene description leave any impressions on you, Dane? I'm hesitant to say anything because it's one of those things where I have to see it before, before I make any comment on it because 
Uh, it's it's just Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I know, I know, it's hard for you. <laughs> yeah, I know, and uh, you know, I'm hopeful for this movie. It's it sounds like that they're it, it sounds like they they've learned their lesson, and especially when all of these you know these websites and all these publications who visited the set have that same uh, reaction to what they saw, where they're positive about it. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just hesitant. Mm-hmm. And I totally understand that, knowing how you felt about Batman v Superman. You want to be, you know, going into this very cautious. So, but it's funny when you're talking about, you know. Oh, and and, and while we're on the subject, can, can, can I tell you something, Tim? <laughs> you can tell me anything, Dave. Okay. Uh, so I bought the uh, Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. So uh, you I did. Just, I was going to ask yeah. you about that later. So you yeah, did. I did. Uh, it doesn't make it any better. See, I've haven't. I've watched. I'm going to watch it this weekend. Yeah. Downloaded on Tuesday, and <laughs> me and my brother are actually up to four in the morning. Not even watching the whole thing, but skimming through it, seeing some of the new stuff. We end up watching like the last all the action beats at the end. Yeah. And I will say, I think it helps some of the. See, I don't know about the pacing yet because I haven't seen the movie all the way through. But I think it helps set stuff up or explain certain things that I think might go over people's heads. Where you know it's something that as comic book fans you might get or but for the general audience they're going to be kind of lost in certain things so it looks like they are some of those scenes helped with that but at the same time i have to wait until i see the whole thing to say if it really helped with the pacing of it but right. um it got me more excited to see it um probably later this weekend so i can't wait to kind of give us almost like seeing it for the first time again and i'm going into it you know not to totally fix all the complaints I had with it, but I'm hoping it fixes the pacing for me, which is a big thing, and then just, you know, hopefully add some more of the stuff I did really like about it. So I've heard different things. I've heard what you said. It doesn't really change anything that I've heard from other people that, yeah, it does make it a better movie. So I'm curious to find out for myself what I think of for it. But I'm glad yeah. you gave it a shot, though, at least, because I know once after the movie yeah. you said you weren't even going to buy it. Yeah, I bought it. So, um, yeah, that's that. And... <laughs> I have to say uh, that that Batman scene in the warehouse is so so awesome. I, I will say it's worth buying just for that because there were little extra yeah. shots added to that scene that made it even more cooler. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's worth it just for that. Yeah, but I was gonna say still on the Batman vs Superman topic, it's funny how even people ask Zack Snyder flat out while they were there, did the reaction, the negative reaction for Batman v Superman change how you went about Justice League? And he pretty much said, yeah, it did. It affected the tone that it was going to be. And he, that kind of said where, you know, it was always going to be different than Batman v Superman, but at the same time, I think they really had to make sure they nailed uh, the tone for this movie and setting it apart, you know, to make it um, just more... See, I'm hesitant to say the word lighthearted because I know it's not going to be all lighthearted and some people don't like to hear that. But just have a good balance between the two, I would say. And funny how he said he was like, he was shocked by (laughs) the reaction that Batman v Superman got. So I just happen to know that they're seeing all this. It's not like the complaints, the negative reviews that some people had for it. It's not falling on deaf ears. The studio is recognizing it. They're making sure Zack Snyder and his team is recognizing that what needs to be changed to make Justice League a much more successful movie than Batman v Superman was. And even for the people I know who love the movie, but 
I, you just can't argue that it wasn't a mass critical success from for critics and just even general audience members with the returns it got. From, of course, it made a lot of money with eight hundred million, but when you got a movie with Batman and Superman on it, and that doesn't make a billion when there's other movies, superhero movies that do, you know it wasn't it wasn't to everybody's liking. So I'm just glad that they are making an effort to make sure that Justice League is going to hopefully be that movie. And so far, I think they're on the right track. Yeah, but like I said before, and after what you just said, it's not about the tone. It's not. I mean, I understand if you want to throw a couple jokes it in It was there, for some people. I will say it was a big deal for a lot of people. Really? Mm. Because it, it wasn't the tone. Because I'm used to A lot to of that. it was Superman. The tone, the... The way he, his characterization was and the tone around him was a big off-put for a lot of people. Yeah, I understand that. But but we also had Man of Steel with the same Superman and the same kind of tone. And, you know, I, I'm kind of used to that. The, the, the big, huge problem with, with Batman versus Superman was the story. The story was so weak and so bad that, you know, it... It, it almost makes you forget about everything good in the movie because because you have to pay attention to the story. Well, here's the part that hopefully makes you feel better about Justice League. It's okay. not just the same writer as Chris Terrio. You got Jeff Johns is working on it too, and Ben Affleck is. They're not like doing total rewrites, but you know they're in there now, making sure this is a solid script and a story. And when you got yeah. those two guys over, yeah, I know, but everybody was saying that about Chris Terrio about how he was nominated for an Oscar sure. and you know he he wrote Argo and Argo was such a good movie um, yeah I think that this makes it better you got Jeff Johns you know someone who knows these characters inside and out to make sure that this is going to be a script that's true to them and a story that feels right for the justly to get together so that's what has me more hopeful and excited on the story aspect that you're seeing Green Lantern he was not a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think I'm just being too negative. Um, I, I don't know. I think I, I think I just need to not focus on that so much because you know I've they, been focusing so much on it since I, I, I seen or I bought the uh, Ultimate Edition. You know, they needed um, to invite you to that set visit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they had to sell me on that. Um, yeah, because you could have been one of the other people who hated Batman v Superman, walking away more positive. <laughs> but I'm glad that, you know, these people that didn't like Batman vs. Superman walked away more positive on uh, Justice League. Because, I mean, it, it, if I feel the same way as these people did, then maybe when whenever Justice League comes out, maybe I'll, you know... I'll feel differently. Yeah. So there's Hopefully. always that. Yep. <laughs> we'll find out next year. <laughs> but uh, the other scene description I wanted to get into, which was my favorite out of the two, was where uh, this is not something they saw filming, but they just showed him a clip of what they already had filmed. And this is where Bruce goes to recruit Barry. And as Bruce goes in, uh, Barry kind of denies that uh, he is the flag because he shows him that surveillance footage. We saw him Batman v Superman. And he's all, you know what? Uh, that looks like me, but it's not me. And you're saying like, I don't really have any special skills except, you know, I just know how to sign language, gorilla sign language, which I'm taking as a little gorilla grot Easter egg, <laughs> even though he probably hasn't encountered him yet. Uh, but then Bruce goes to see, actually sees the flash costume, like hanging in the middle of his room and Bruce questions him about it. 
and Barry just tells him, well, I'm into competitive ice dancing, like very competitive ice dancing. So Bruce knows he's not going to get Barry to admit that he's the Flash. So what does he do? He throws a battering at him. And people who saw this said it was a little cool slow-mo sequence that you see, you know, the battering fly towards him, but then Barry like just casually steps out of the way of the bat of the battering. He like looks at Bruce and the battering, and he just plucks it out of the air, as one description says, and then it just everything returns to normal speed and he just goes, You're the Batman. Can I keep this? <laughs> and Bruce tells him, you know, I'm gathering people with special abilities, there's a great enemy coming. And they say Barry just uh, uh butts into Bruce's line and says, I'm in and he's all, I, I'm in because I need friends. And that catches Bruce, Bruce off guard a little bit. But um, they said that's where the scene ends. But from just reading it and then everyone's descriptions or reaction to it says they're just nailing, Ezra Miller is nailing Flash and Barry. And him and Bruce have great interaction and chemistry together. And yeah, reading it, I'm already sold on it too. And I can't imagine what my reaction would be if I actually saw it because it, it looks like they're nailing that dynamic. Bruce being all serious and Flash being, you know, someone you know not so serious having a good time cracking some jokes while he's denying that he's a flash and that way he got excited of saying that oh you're batman and excited about the battering and keeping it that sounds just like perfect flash to me so the rooftop scene with gordon sounds good this interaction between bruce and flash sounds great and yeah so like i said i can't imagine those seeing it i'll excited they must have been because reading it it's getting me pumped up to see more bruce and flash's interactions so much so where it's like because even in the new rebirth stories where bruce and flash or batman and flash are kind of you know working together to solve the mystery of what's messing with the timeline of course we know it's dr manhattan but they don't know that yet and they said they're kind of just the two of them and wally are in on it and they're going to be working together to try to solve this mystery and when i read that i was like you know what? I want a Flash and Batman uh, comic series going on right now. And reading this made me, uh, reading this description made me think, you know what? A Batman and Flash movie could work too. So I a lot of cool Batman and Flash dynamics going on between the comics and the movies. So that has me really excited. So can't wait for that. But the one last thing also too that came out of the set visit reports was Ben Affleck gave an interview in his Batman costume without his mask. <laughs> even People said he even had like the eyeshadow eyeliner on his eyes <laughs> that he didn't have time to take off after he removed the cowl. But uh, they asked him about, you know, the latest on the solo Batman movie. And here's what Ben Affleck said about it. He goes, I think they have a date for it. Although I don't know if I would necessarily be able to make that date because I don't have the script that's ready yet. So that's my timetable. Or he goes, my timetable is I'm not going to make a movie until there's a script that I think is good because I've been on the end of the things when you make movies, when you have a script that's not good yet and it doesn't pan out. So I'm really happy with <laughs> Ben Affleck's quotes there. I think he even goes on to say how Batman is so important that they have to make sure to get it right no matter how long it takes. So I'm glad he has the mindset that you know he doesn't want to do it until it's ready. And I'm not sure Warner Brothers will have that same mindset as far as wanting to get a Batman movie out as soon as possible. But I'm just glad Ben Affleck is you know treating this as seriously as he can and knows how important a new Batman movie is going to be. And the fact, too, where... He mentioned how him being an executive producer on Justice League is to make sure that he can have an input to what is done to Batman in this movie and, of course, you know, which will affect the solo movie later on. So he kind of wants to have that creative input all throughout his version of the characters throughout this series of movies. So I just really like how it's so important to him that, you know, there's no rush on it. He just wants to make sure they get it right. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this solo Batman movie because it's going to be 
you know, Ben Affleck writing it and directing it and starring in it. So, yeah. Um, you, know, you mentioned the warehouse scene. How much more did that make you excited <laughs> for a yeah, solo Batman yeah. movie? If we get more stuff like that with hopefully a great story that we'll all like, uh, it's going to has the potential to be the best. No, I don't want to again set expectations so high like and say, oh, it's already going to be better than The Dark Knight and all that. But the potential is there. It is definitely, definitely there. Yep. Like I said, best part of Batman vs. Superman, the Batman warehouse fight. I have to agree with you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty much all the big stuff happening from the Justice League set visit reports. Uh, again, it's got me more pumped for it. Uh, it got me excited more for the Bat to see the Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. And when I saw what I little bit I saw of that, it got me pumped for Justice League. So I'm getting more and more excited for this universe, regardless if Batman v Superman ultimately doesn't improve for me in the Ultimate Edition. I'm still going to be plenty excited for what's to come. Just you know, because regardless of you know story complaints and characterization complaints I had with Batman and Superman in that movie. We know for sure that Batman is going to be, I think, an improvement, you know, not being so extreme. And then Superman, even though we didn't get any information for him on the set visit report, I just think once he comes back to life, he's going to be a different character, too. So I'm hopeful for that. I'm excited on the path that the DC movie universe is heading and just can't wait for more. So hopefully at Comic-Con, because Ben Affleck did say they're going, they're going to hopefully show some stuff. I'm just wondering if it's going to be a trailer that gets released to the public or because I don't think they want to have another Suicide Squad scenario like last year. <laughs> so I'll have to wait and see. But hopefully we'll be seeing some actual footage from Justice League soon because I can't wait. It's sounding really great to me. So here's to November 2017. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's it for a feature topic. So um, I guess we can move on to a conversation with Alex, right? Yes, we can. All right. So Alex says, hey, fellas. Thanks again for another spectacular episode. Clearly, Dane, we clearly do not have the same taste in video games. The first thing I think of when I play a video game is which button makes things go boom. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alex would like RPGs too much. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be apprehensive about describing Batman. I think the ambiguity of Batman is one of the reasons why he resonates with so many people. I think his obsessive personality was better controlled once Robin and the Justice League came into the picture. Although Alfred was always there for him, and Bruce would be nothing without him. Bruce was paying Alfred, so there was a cognitive disconnect when uh, viewing him as someone he could love and trust. Poor, poor Alfred. As to where the Alex Ward Journal name originated, well... Imagine going back in time music, and I don't mean time travel music because time travel makes no sense. <laughs> well, except if you open up multiple timelines, so time travel doesn't affect your universe's timeline. That's not the point. You see, when I was a young lad, I would jump up and down without any clothes except for a monocle. <laughs> I taped the monocle to my face so it wouldn't fall off. A lady walked by and told me to put on some shoes. I said, okay. She said, you should probably put on some pants too. So I said, I think you're right. Uh, I then asked, what about a shirt? She said, no. Uh, so I followed up with the, are you sure? She replied with, it's pretty hot out. It seemed reasonable. So I, start, uh, so I stopped jumping and I ran to buy shoes and underwear. And when I, came, I ran into the store to buy them, I came across a war journal. For some reason, the cops chased me. <laughs> I, assured, I assume they 
have something against monocles. And ever since that day, I've obsessed over that war journal. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you can't get a better explanation than that. (laughs) Yep, definitely not. Uh, In all seriousness, I've always been a perfectionist. And Alex's war journal uh, describes my mindset. There's a logical progression to that, but it's a long story. I was going to go with uh, at uh, Mr. Peanut should probably put on some pants. (laughs) But I thought it was too long and too political. I don't know the... At Mr. Peanut should probably put on some pants. Does kind of go good with Dane said banana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe it should have been Mr. Monocle. That would Mr. Been Monocle. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I uh, imagine that's probably taken, but maybe add some numbering to that. <laughs> Mr. Monocle 311. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you got to put in the 311. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but Alex always has questions. So his first question is, which bad family member do you think would be the first to kick the bucket? Jason. Yeah, a second time, you mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, uh, I know this is going to sound wrong, but I think Alfred, and that's something I wouldn't mind seeing. Not because I hate Alfred or anything. He's one of the best characters in the Batman mythos. But is it because he's old? That and just, you know, out of everyone in the Bat family, he's the one who's known Bruce the longest and have, I think have the closest relationship. And to see a story that deals with Bruce of having to cope with the loss of Alfred, I think it'd be really interesting to see just in both him as Bruce Wayne and him as Batman. And I don't know if it'll make him, you know, more extreme, like a Batman v Superman version of Batman, or, you know, just make him uh, affect him where he doesn't even want to go out as Batman or he's depressed. I don't know. I'd be curious to see what Bruce's reaction would be if Alfred did die. And I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten a story like that after all these years. Maybe there's been one that's in like out of continuity, but as far as one in the main continuity now, we've there's never been one where Alfred actually died. I'm probably going to say one of the the new group of, um, I guess uh, the the new team okay. in uh, Detective Comics. That one that that's probably a character that would be more plausible maybe in the yeah. story that they have going. Uh, Clayface. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Maybe, um, maybe Cass? I don't know. It was like at the same time, I could see it, but I don't want any of them to go away. Yeah, yeah, so me either. So. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I don't want any of them to go away, but, uh, yeah, probably one of them. Uh, his second question is Who are your three favorite comic book characters introduced in the past 25 years? Damien and Bane immediately came to mind, but I can't think of anyone else. I like Harley Quinn in the animated series, but I'm not fam- familiar with her comic book wise well Alex I got two of the three you listed on here I gotta have Harley Quinn and Damien put on my top three and for you know I the other person I was gonna put on here but I missed him by a year (laughs) Gambit from the X-Men was introduced in 1990 so it's 26 years now not 25 so I don't know if I can count him still or not (laughs) but uh, yeah I don't think you can have a list like that without Harley Quinn and Damien, especially if you're a Batman fan. Just, you know, watching more animated series episodes last night, the episode Harley Quinnade, that's such a great Harley episode. It just really, like, those episodes, that one and Harley's Holiday is where she really started coming out as one, like, come out as a character on her own that's really great, not reliant on the Joker. And ever since then, I mean, well, look at her now. <laughs> one of the most popular Batman villains ever. So, yeah. definitely have to have her in there. And then Damien. Not my favorite Robin, but he's he's probably my third favorite after Dick and Tim. 
And he's just, you know, a great different version of a Robin that's worked so well for both uh, Bat- Bruce as Batman and Dick as Batman. I probably mar- liked him more as uh, Dick's sidekick than Bruce's. I just like that dynamic. But yeah, Damien's been a great addition to the Batman mythos. Yeah, definitely Damien and Harley. Uh, and the third, I'd probably say. Um, oh, man, Alex. <laughs> It's always going to be a tough one in there. The, does reinterpretation count? I don't know. Who do you have in mind? Is it someone that's like drastically different in this re- yeah. reinterpretation? Yeah, pretty, pretty drastically different. Okay. Batwoman. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd count that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kate. Oh, there you go. See, that wasn't so hard after <laughs> all. <laughs> I will say, too, uh, I'll bring up concepts, not necessarily characters, that I love. Court of Owls is one of them. It's a great group of villains. And then also to the mythos in the Green Lantern universe that Jeff Johns brought with all the different uh, emotional spectrums of the different lantern colors, all the new characters created for those cores. That's been one of the best things in comics I've read in the last 25 years. So not necessarily characters, but cool concepts that have been created over the last 25 years. I think those two would be among my top. The third question is, uh, what is your favorite bat animal besides bat cow? <laughs> nah, this uh, one's easy. Who? Ace the bat hound. Oh, okay. I'm going to go with Titus. No, yeah, this is another good one. Yeah. Kind of similar, but they're different dogs. So they're not exactly the same. <laughs> well, it's, it, animal. it's a great Dane, so. Yeah, so I, that I, works. I have to. Uh, is his fourth and final question is... <laughs> Could J.K. Simmons beat Darth Vader in a fight? No, Alex, no. No matter how ripped up J.K. Simmons gets in those pictures, he says, <laughs> he's never going to beat Darth Vader. I'm sorry. Never. Never. Nobody will beat Darth Vader, except for if you clone Darth Vader. Yep. Or his son is about to die, and he picks oh. up the Emperor <laughs> electrocuting yeah. himself. Those are the only two things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, thank you, Alex, for your questions and your email. We always enjoy reading them, and you got to come on again, man. Let's make it. Got to do this all over again. <laughs> um, so yeah, th- thank you for email, and we love you, right, Tim? As always. As always. So now we can get to the comic book reviews of the uh, show. First, there's one more thing we got to mention. Oh, what did I forget? We got to give congratulations oh, to Mark. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, Mark, who just got married last weekend as we're recording this episode, and he looked like he had some awesome Batman stuff there. He tweeted a picture of a, a Batman wedding cake, which looked pretty cool. So, Mark, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. You are an adult now. <laughs> Unlike me and Dave. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he can still read comic books now that he's married. <laughs> I think he'll be fine. He'll be fine, right? Right, well, could. Congratulations, Mark, uh, for taking that big step into adulthood. You, you can't be you, you can't be screwing around with comic books anymore, man. You you got to be an adult, right, Tim? No, there's there's a perfect balance for both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're Don't right. let married life change you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's kind of weird because I began June with uh, my sister's wedding, mm-hmm. and I ended June with. Mark's wedding. <laughs> nice. It's too bad you couldn't go to Mark's. But. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm kind of over weddings now. Um, uh, I've I've been to weddings, but n- none of them have been one of my close family members. Mm, okay. So, 
Uh, so as far as you know, you have no like close family members or friends who are planning to get married. So you should be free. Yeah, <laughs> for the I next should few be years or so. Yeah, I should be good. <laughs> um, I did not like. I mean, I, I liked my sister getting married. I, I thought that was good, but uh, it, it's it's just I don't know. You, you you have to be all happy and stuff. <laughs> and sometimes you just you're just not in the mood to be happy. No, it's it's just it gets exhausting after a while. Like I was exhausted after that wedding. Yeah, especially if it's like someone close to you and you're like have a big part in it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and I had to walk my grandma and swing back around and walk my mom up. Uh, everything went <laughs> smoothly though. Yeah, everything went smoothly. Was- well, I. <laughs> this is funny because uh, my grandma's in a <laughs> my, <laughs> my grandma's in a wheelchair, and uh, I had to push her up to the front, and there wasn't enough room between this glass uh, the the glass doors and uh, the seats to fit her in there, and so uh, I get up there, and apparently nobody noticed this, so I get up there, and then I had to move the chair, and then move her in, and then move the chair back, and then. Uh, I, I couldn't find the brakes on her wheelchair. Oh, yeah. So so everybody was looking at me and it was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> so I guess it didn't go as smoothly as I thought. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know you couldn't walk up the aisle. So like I I started going up and then somebody told me you can't go up there. So I had to go back down and then make a <laughs> left and then come back around to get my mom. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty bad. But um I'm glad she she got married. Uh, happy for her. I like uh, her husband, my brother-in-law. He's a nice guy. And uh, congratulations, Mark and uh, his uh, his wife. Right, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't need my approval for congratulations, Dave. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, but now we can get into our comic book reviews. Uh, this this uh, episode we're gonna. Uh, review Detective Comics number nine thirty five and The Dark Knight three number five. Can't believe you're still reading that, Tim. It's been good. I've been liking it. Oh, good. But good. will it continue with number five? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for this episode, a rating scale is going to be. What should it be, Tim? I don't know. I was thinking people who hated Batman v Superman who got to visit the Justice League set, or now I'm thinking it has something to do with. You and weddings. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with the Justice League set. Okay. Our rating scale for this episode is going to be uh, reporters that were or journalists that were that didn't like Batman v Superman, but now like Batman v Superman. Well, I don't think that they like Batman v Superman. That is excited for Justice okay. League. <laughs> now excited for Justice League. Um, but Tim, why don't you tell us about Dark Knight Three, number five? All right. So. Dark Knight 3 number 5, first off, it was delayed a few months, so <laughs> I had to remember where the, actually the number 4 left off, but it was where uh, the Kandorians were kind of giving an ultimatum to the citizens of Gotham, saying if Batman doesn't turn himself over to us, we're going to destroy you, so that's causing rioting and looting to creep across all over Gotham, that's where this uh, issue number 5 picks up. And what happened in number 4, a few things happened. Uh, Batman set Kerry Kelly as Batgirl now to 
delivers something to Aquaman, and then we saw Flash get taken down by one of those Kandorians, but was rescued by the Sons of Batman. So this issue, it starts off seeing what happens to those two. Flash uh, is being brought down to you know an underground sewer layer of Batman that the Sons of Batman bring to him. And Batman just tells Barry, yeah, you look pretty bad, but, you know, you still Barry can still be helpful, and we'll get to that a little later in the issue. And then it was revealed that Batgirl and Aquaman, they were searching for uh, Superman, who, you know, the Kandorians, it looked like they killed, but at the same time, we know he's not going to be dead. He just got absorbed into this, like, dark matter, and he was sinking under the ocean, and so they found that crater of, like, Superman just engulfed in that dark matter, and they're going to release him. And so, uh, as they get Superman... Uh, Aquaman and Batgirl are able to get Superman out and Batman is about to go you know patrol the city in the Batmobile which we haven't seen too much in this story and it, it still looks as cool as ever and we finally get to see Batman in that classic Dark Knight Returns armor driving the Batmobile which you know looked really cool especially after seeing more BVS and how awesome that costume looked there it was great to see it in a comic again so uh, Batgirl is telling Superman about uh, the plan that he that Batman has to take down the Kandorians. So she takes them to their lair where they catch up with Flash, who just see him working on all these different monitors at super speed. And he's telling them that Batman is having him work on like a zillion variables for weather patterns that he's manipulating. So you don't know what exactly for yet, but we know that somehow the weather is going to affect uh, the plan that Batman has. So Batman isn't, or Superman isn't sure that all this is going to work. But Kerry Kelly trusts in Batman, and she kind of starts to reassure him. And then Batman confronts the rioting mob who's there in Gotham City. They're trying to make their way up on the Batmobile. And he has some good monologue, too, as he was driving up uh, to Gotham. And he's just talking about the Kandorians as far as, you know, you know they don't have fear. And that uh, makes them not necessarily make them weak, but he says that that's where they don't have a chance. They're fearless, but fear is what keeps me going. Like fear is why I don't kill. And there's much more afraid of that's that says that there is so much that I'm afraid of that. We all are than like those Kandorians. So I like how we just, you know, making the comparison where they're fearless and they think nothing can stop them, but yet that's going to be their downfall or Batman is fearful of certain things and that's going to be what it's going to take them down. So that was some cool dialogue or cool dialogue that I like reading from Batman's perspective. So um, in a moment that actually reminded me a little bit of BB has, we see Batman in that armored suit, like I said, then he shines the bat signal up in the sky, a little similar to uh, Batman versus Superman, but he's not on a rooftop. He's just standing on the Batmobile. It still had a pretty cool effect though. And then you see a bunch of the Kandorians in the sky, the bat signal shining on them. And as their leader is about to, you know, give them orders to destroy Batman and all the citizens of Gotham, we see the sky start to turn green and there's because there's clouds forming on it. And then green rain drops. And we start to learn that it is kryptonite rain. <laughs> and we, that is why Batman was having Flash work on those uh, weather patterns to, you know, bring about the storm. And he explains how being Batman, you know, he has to have a lot of money. And he says, I have money. And he goes, part of using that money is to create synthetic kryptonite into or seeding clouds with synthetic kryptonite. And so that takes a lot of leap of faith, but he brings out, that's what I did. <laughs> so and it works. We see a bunch of those Kandorans start falling from the sky. And he says, you know, they're weakening, but it's not as weak as I was hoping it would be because he wasn't able you know, to synthesize enough of that kryptonite in the clouds. But it, it was cool enough to weaken them. And we see Batman 
in his again his armored suit that just looks awesome seeing him in action again fighting and taking out some of those Kandorians. But they're still proving to be a match for him. And just as one, you know, gets a few good punches in, we see a hand come in that picks Batman up as he's about to fall. And we see Superman in a robotic suit, a little similar to Batman's, but not definitely not as cool. Of course, he has to wear it to keep himself safe from the kryptonite rain. But um, it was a cool moment seeing Batman and Superman together in their armored suits, even though Superman has like a metallic his mask is like a metal face of his own, you know, normal Kryptonian face. So it just looks a little weird and not as cool as Batman, but still it was a cool effect of ending the issue, knowing that we're about to see these two, you know, classic heroes, even though they're much older about to take on these Kandorians together to protect Gotham. So it left me kind of pumped up and excited for uh, issue number six. So yeah, I'm still enjoying the dark Knight three, the master race. It's proving to be a, a nice surprise. And it doesn't feel like a Dark Knight Return story, and because it's dealing with the Kryptonians and Kandorians, so it's a little different feel than you know what the first one was. But I'm enjoying it nonetheless. So I'm going to give this one three and a half out of four uh, reporters who got to visit, who hated Batman v Superman, who got to visit the Justice League set. So I really enjoyed it still. All right, so let's talk about Detective Comics number nine thirty-five, Tim. Yes, the continuation of this weird kind of storyline. <laughs> a weird, but a very fun and enjoyable storyline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I enjoyed the first part of the story, and I enjoyed the second one. And this one, I liked how it started off, where Batwoman's training, pretty much training the new team in like a danger room type scenario that she had set up and that Tim helped uh, bring about through some Clayface technology. And she's really overworking them where creating these scenarios that's just impossible for them to beat. Because you see, spoiler, an orphan, they're having a hard time taking out all these jokers that are coming out of, like I said, Tim has developed this like clay face technology to use there to synthesize these shape-shifting objects. And these are all looking like the joker. So Tim is trying to tell Batwoman to, you know, turn it off. It's enough. She's trying to push him. So I liked how Tim uses his own override code to shut off the system, you know, showing that he still has some authority here. So they have a conversation with Batwoman now, you know, she has to make sure they're ready for situations when the odds are against them, how they react to it. She gives, you know, critiques on everyone's performance, but Tim and the rest of the teams are saying, you know, you're keeping us down here. It's, too long you're training us but you know when are we going to start you know using this training and being superheroes and tim has this really cool new setup called the belfry that's like their hideout in the in the a bell tower and tons of monitors that give them access to you know all every segment of law enforcement communication 911 calls all that stuff to keep tabs on what's going on in the city so um she tells him you know it looks like you're gonna have to take it up with batman and she just she goes away and the, the only problem I have with this is that I just feel Tim, like I said this last issue too, I don't think Tim needs all this training. He's been with Batman for a, a bit anyway, so I don't. I just think he should be you know, not put in the same situation as Spoiler and Orphan and Clayface, them being, you know, the true rookies. So, I could get over it, but it's still something that just irks me a little bit. So, Tim does go with uh, to meet with Batman. Uh, they go see Azrael, who uh, being uh, kept in a secret location with Leslie Tompkins. And while they're there, Azrael says a little something. He says, tells them that Colony is here, and that's a lead they're going to have to work on. But then probably my favorite part of the issue is the interaction and dialogue that Batman and Rob, Red Robin have here on the rooftop. You know, he just asks them, you know, 
or Tim asked Batman, how can, or why did you bring me into this? Not just tonight to meet Azrael, but the whole situation with the new team. And I love this dialogue that Batman says. He goes, you're always, you were always insisted that you weren't Robin. You always kept yourself at a distance. And I respected that, but I need you to know you were Robin to me at least. And I just love that because, you know, all the complaints about <laughs> the new 52 version of him never being a Robin, but he was always Red Robin. This is like one of those things where they're correcting uh, some choices that didn't set, sit well with some fans in universe. And I just like that where as long as he was a Robin to Batman, that's kind of what's important. So if Batman thinks Tim was a Robin, that's good enough for me. So I'm kind of glad they addressed that. And because I always viewed that myself, even though he was calling himself Red Robin in the New 52, he was still the third Robin. I just like that Batman viewed it the same way. So that was really cool. But then we get a moment where Robin or Tim goes to see uh, Stephanie Brown in her apartment. And she starts telling, saying, like, you didn't tell him. And you're all wondering, okay, what secret is Tim having? I thought Bruce has all the secrets. But it reveals that Tim got this, um, you know, grant to enroll in this uh, new university, this Ivy University, you know, that's going to allow him to, you know, use his smarts on a much more global scale to help people than just here in Gotham. So he's kind of torn about going with that or sticking here in Gotham, especially now with this new mission that Batman has set up with everybody. So just good interaction with him and Stephanie Brown. And then Cass comes in, like, not knowing they were there. And apparently she doesn't know who that Tim is Robin because Stephanie just says, oh, like, do you mind if I just uh, stick with just me and my boyfriend here tonight? Not saying it's Tim. So I guess there's still some secret identities here uh, being kept. But it was just great to have this interaction between Tim and Steph again that we haven't seen for a while. And maybe there was some of it in, you know, Batman and Robin Eternal, which, again, I haven't read. So if I'm missing anything of this stuff isn't new. I apologize, but for me it is. So I'm just glad to see it, this type of interaction between Tim and stuff again, which is cool. So there was that, and then there was a moment with uh, a Cat came interacting with her father. He's warning her about the Waynes and how he doesn't trust them, how they do di- things differently than the Canes. But uh, after that, the issue concludes with a very cool sequence and layout that I thought was, you know, pretty neat you get another awesome shot of that new batmobile i just love this batmobile look as alfred's talking to batman no wondering he has it why he batman hasn't told a batwoman the whole scenario of what's going on with this mission batman just says you know i still need to know the shape of this thing before i can risk you know telling her and opening that door so i just got to wait a little bit longer as that happened batman gets ambushed by these two cars that look like tumblers like almost a cross between the tumblers and the arkham knight batmobile which look really cool and th- i love the how this pan this page was laid out because there's the on the top of it there's the classic batman logo and in there you see batman in the batmobile you know looking out the car seeing those two new armored vehicles behind him and there's these on the bottom of that there's these cool like colored silhouettes where they're highlighted red and the Batmobile's highlighted blue. You just see how big they are in comparison to the Batmobile that's in between them. It's just a very cool layout that I like. And they were able to stop the Batmobile and get Batman out of there. It looks like an electronic pulse. And they give Batman a warming. It's these... Uh, I'm just going to call them the Bat Army for lack of a better word. And I think that's what the villain called them at the end of the first uh, issue to the story. So um, they're all there. They're looking like military batman and they just said you should have just let this go batman and says there are 50 of us here and we have orders to take you in and the last page is batman saying you can try and what i like about how this ended was a little different where usually when we see 
Batman or any hero in that matter up against impossible odds. It looks like they're about ready to fight. You don't know if they're going to succeed or not. But on this last page, you already see Batman taking a few of them down. You see him punching one of those military guys. He is cracking his helmet and is about to take on some more. So, And you see a battering and a, one of them's mass. So I like how Batman's you know, saying, you could try it, but he's already in action. He's not like getting prepared to fight. He's already going after him, which was I thought was a, coolie, a really cool way to end this issue. So I thought uh, Detective 935 and part two of the story continued on the great foundation that was laid in the first part. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one four out of five uh, reporters who didn't like Batman v Superman but got to visit Justice League set. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this James Tinian Detective Comics is get is getting better by each issue. <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought I like the I, I, I thought uh, the other issue was the best that we got uh, since since uh, this whole rebirth thing, uh, and with this issue. It's it's way better than that one. Um, it was really good to see how frustrated, you know, Cass and Steph and Tim and Clayface are getting f- frustrated at the the simulation thing, mm-hmm. where they're constantly training and they're not really sure what they're going up against and why they're even training. And like you said, why does Tim need the training? And and there has to be a reason why Tim needs this training. And they w- they, they wouldn't just bring this up for no reason right i would think so yeah yeah so yeah i'm i'm happy to see where wherever that's going um um and not really sure about the colony thing though uh i don't i don't know what they are i i I think i just need to know more about them yeah Uh, it's just one of those things where you just need to have more information but um yeah, they seem like a real threat to Batman, especially that whole bridge scene where they they're, uh, they mobilize in the in all of their tumblers slash Batmobiles. <laughs> I don't know what to call them. Um, and it looks like Batman's gonna have a bit of trouble with all of these guys. I mean, I know, like you said, the the last sort of image we see is Batman. You know having the upper hand but didn't one of them say there's 20 of them he said 50 actually (laughs) yeah 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 but there's 50 of us so um hopefully uh this all this training is paying off and Cass and Steph and and Tim and Clayface are ready to fight because it looks like the fighting has already started so uh yeah this is this is definitely getting better with each with each issue um surprising since a, I don't, I don't recall ever liking any of James Tinian stuff, and uh, just Detective Comics as a whole since the the New Fifty Two. So uh, I'm probably gonna give this one uh, three and a half out of five uh, reporters that didn't like Batman vs Superman but got invited to the Justice League set to see what they're doing. Um, and the art too. The art's yeah. been really good, especially like the painting. Yes, the painting style, like uh, um, uh, Tim and uh, St- Steph kissing. Yeah, I love that art style. Yeah, yeah. It it kind of reminds me of like how, uh, how what's his name, Jim Lee. Uh, he he would do like his regular art style in Hush, but then the flashback scenes were that painted style. Mm-hmm, kind of reminds right. me of that. 
kind of reminds me of that. So uh, definitely a great issue and uh, definitely the strongest out of the gate uh, since the Rebirth thing. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, I agree with you. I've liked a lot of the Rebirth stuff coming out. Superman's been really good. Uh, and Wonder Woman has been awesome too. You know, she's only had two issues. Oh, really? The Rebirth special and her first one came out. But they've been really good. But I'm with you. Detective's been my favorite so far. It's... This it's it's a fun read. Like the great characters in this. That's what's yeah. making it. And like what you were saying about you don't know about the colony just yet. Even if it turns out not to be something really amazing, I think just the character interactions is what's going to make this book. And so far, James Tinian is hitting all the right notes with the characters in the story. So I think that's what's going to make or break it. And so far, it's making it. And for me, what's really good is, and I don't know if you agree with this, but it, it seems like every character, uh, Tim, Steph, Kate. Uh, Clayface get their I don't know, get their space mm-hmm. get their time to be a character it's not rushed and you know or shoehorned in there yeah yeah just shoehorned in there it's not and it's not rushed where you know it's oh there's Clayface okay he's gone you know it's each character gets their own little thing and it's it, it's paced really well yeah I like that little point too with Clayface where he he wasn't transformed or he didn't have his powers in that simulator because uh, Batwoman wants to see how he does and how he's able to fight without him. Yeah. And then at the end he goes, "Hey, can I keep this device that makes me you know normal? So because I'm not I'm not able to hold my original form as Basil Carlo for yeah. a while now. So I this could help me actually get some movie parts." And Tim's like, <laughs> "Yeah, it's fine by me." So <laughs> a little nice moment there. He's still thinking about being an actor, <laughs> Basil Carlo. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's it for our comic book reviews. Uh, and that, that's it for this episode. So just go over to BatmanUniverse.net. It's on Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse. Or on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse. Our show's Twitter handle is at BatfansPodcast. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. Wow, you did that two episodes in a row. I'm so thankful. <laughs> and my Twitter handle is at DeanSaysBanana. And you can email the show at uh, BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. So with that... Like we say at the end of every single episode, too. We love you. Just remember, if you ever feel alone in this world, Tim and Dane do in fact love you. Right, Tim? With all our hearts. With all of our hearts. So with that, we'll see you guys next time. See you later. Shine, let's see.